Welcome to Never Again is Now, a podcast about anti-Semitism. Today we will discuss the anti-Semitism Jewish teens in America are facing and how to speak up against it. I'm Evelyn Marcus, and in addition to being a psychologist, I am featured in the documentary about anti-Semitism, Never Again is Now. I am a Dutch Jew and a daughter of Holocaust survivors. In 2006, I emigrated to the United States because of the rising anti-Semitism in Europe. I am Phyllis Zimbler-Miller, the founder of the free nonfiction Holocaust theater project, TheEdgeOfTheWedge.com. I grew up in Elgin, Illinois, a Midwestern town in which the small Jewish community did not compose, uh, consist of Holocaust survivors. Our parents and grandparents fled the Tsar and other programs the turn of the 20th century. And yet, in September 1970, my U.S. Army officer husband and I were stationed in Munich, Germany, and this changed our lives as Jews forever. Aaron Breckman is the Director of High School Affairs for the Alexander Young Leadership Department at the American Jewish Committee. Previously, he was the Jewish History Department Chair and a teacher at the Charles E. Smith Jewish Day School in Rockville, Maryland. Aaron, welcome to our show. We're happy to have you on. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. And Aaron, I realized that I promised you that I would stay where you grew up and I got to tell Evelyn. So Danvers, Massachusetts is correct, right? That's correct. You yes. want to say it is part of what, what you're going to talk about later. But let's right now start with the problem. What kind of anti-Semitism are Jewish teens facing in high school? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, look, it's obviously the sort of fundamental question that I have to uh, approach every day and think about. Um, and, you know, I began this position in July of this past year, so July 2022. And ever since then, you know, I, I received a number of different scenarios and, and, and areas where um, anti-Semitism has been unfortunately on the rise. Um, there have been swastikas, as I'm sure you can appreciate, you know, and, and heard about found in bathrooms or on desks. Uh, we've had, you know, certainly in my, where I live in, in the DC area, Montgomery County, school spray, uh, spray painted with Jews are not welcome and, and other on other school sides. Uh, issues related to teaching in the DEI space and ensuring Jewish peoplehood is part of that curriculum. Um, you know, I've had a mom call me about one of her uh, boys who are in eighth grade who in the hallways was said that Jews should go back to the oven. Um, I've had a number of unfortunately different scenarios where parents are at a loss on how to engage their school community, their um, their educators, the people that, that are with their students day in and day out on how to approach this, this very difficult topic and um, every situation is different. Every situation has its own way of sort of dealing with it. And we at AJC here are just trying to do our best to not only unfortunately keep up with with the questions, but also try to proactively engage our communities as well in terms of how to um, deal with the, this uh, you know terrible uh, rise that's happening. So Aaron, are, are the remarks that teens are facing uh, as far as you hear, are they m mostly racist of a racist type against Jews or are they also anti-Israel? It's a fair question. I my experience is that the anti the second half of that, the latter with the anti-Israel piece, certainly comes up more when there is a situation, let's say between Israel and Gaza or or Israel 
on the sort of conflict front is playing a much more uh, decisive tone in the news. Um, but I, so I find when that is, it's a very sort of low key time, that's less so the case, uh, whereas it's the more sort of um, sort of Jewish bait uh, uh, tones that are, that are coming up. Um, I will say, you know, certainly, um, you know, the, the Kanye situation, Kyrie Irving situation, those certainly did not help matters. Um, and, you know, and I think those are just uh, an example of where many young students are sort of hearing these sort of anti-Semitic rhetorics and then purveying that back to our students as well. And does that also include my other minority groups that engage in this anti-Semitic rhetoric or is it's it just really you know every situation is different every situation like I said requires a different finesse and a different sort of um, way of approaching it and so it, it's really unique on the way people come to us and explain their situation so I wouldn't say there's one particular theme that I from my point of view is seeing one way or the other there's no pattern no, not, not again, not from my, the way where I sit, especially with high school students, um, but there might be on a more larger sort of thematic basis uh, across the country, but not from my point of view. Okay. Um, what What is the American Jewish Committee doing to empower students and their families to speak up against anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, just in general, I mean, I think it's important if it's okay to plug. Uh, we have a program uh, that I'm responsible for called Leaders for Tomorrow, or what we call a LIFT program. Um, this is really rooted in not just being an educational model, but an action-oriented one. Um, you know, our we, we, we call sort of the way that's seeing students to create change around Jewish identity and combating anti-Semitism is really one of our biggest goals. You know, LIFT was created about eight years ago um, to educate high school leaders about issues of importance affecting the global Jewish community. Um, it really aims to help high school students develop a, a strong Jewish identity, train them as advocates, not just on combating anti-Semitism, but also advocates for Israel as well. But really, it's a way to inspire young Jews to prepare them with meaningful content, uh, engage in critical thinking, and provide essential advocacy skills before they, you know, go off to college or elsewhere um, in the, the post-high school career. Um, so we really do our best to expose students to different stories and narratives, as we've just sort of talked about, and really get them to frame how they would approach, uh, you know, scenarios and think about how do they put themselves in those shoes. So if something were, you know, to happen to them they can think of proactive ways to to engage uh, with whatever situation arises. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, what, so I understand, ahead, what I understand is that, so you prepare them for certain scenarios. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Our goal is to make students confident and inform leaders on any issue. And obviously with anti-Semitism, having the background on the, the you know, whatever the, the history of anti-Semitism, also recognizing there are different forms of anti-Semitism, understanding, as you sort of framed earlier, that where is the line between being anti-Semitic and anti-Zionist? When do students have to have an alert or awareness of there's, you know, sort of a crossroad or a threshold between being critical of the state of Israel versus being an anti-Semitic rhetoric towards a particular individual? And so we really work with students to try to understand those different dynamics and then get them to do role-playing or other interactive models to put them uh, you know, in the sort of leadership role and how they would react. Can you for, take for my for, for my clarity for my clarity? Is there um, a a is anti-Zionism so uh, being against opposing the existence of the Jewish state? 
Is that considered anti-Semitic or not by the American Jewish Committee? So it it is uh, considered that, but again, I think there's a lot of nuance there. I think it really it depends on the situation and how it's framed and how it's uh, contextualized. Um, so while we do, while while that is yes, a correct that we do see that that uh, is a situation where it's anti-Semitic. I think sometimes this day and age, the lines are so blurred that it really has to be on a sense of here's how as a, a Jewish leader I'm going to approach this, and sometimes. It can be tactful. Sometimes it has to be more direct and abrupt. Um, again, we really try to frame a number of different scenarios for students to uh, decide how to do it. You know, we've heard from students that, you know, especially college students, when they're in a classroom with a professor and a large part of their peers, like how they interact, whether behind the scenes with the professor one-on-one or in front of their peers, you know, any situation really uh, provides a real nuance and, and tactful way of, of approaching it. And so we just want to give students an array of different uh, scenarios and let them decide for themselves how they would approach it. So can you give us an example of a scenario, very specific? I, I would really love our listeners to hear. Sure, a- absolutely. I mean, not maybe so much on the sort of the, the specific anti-Semitism, anti-Zionism, but I can just give you a few general uh, sort of just... overviews of sort of success stories. Yes, that's um, what I'd love to hear. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You. So. For example, um, a colleague of mine was invited to an elite prep school in New York City uh, a few weeks ago to to address an entire body, a student body, uh, because one of our Lyft students um, was encouraged to go to her administration to have all students, not just Jews, learn about anti-Semitism, given that while anti-Semitism targets Jews, it's perpetuated by non-Jews. And so, again, at a a preparatory school of this nature, um, the idea that the entire school was able to hear from our Lyft student and their head of school really emphasize the importance that these kids need to be aware of when it comes to uh, anti-Semitism. You know, AJC brings a lot of, like I said, nuance and understanding to everything we do. Um, and the idea is that we really want to, again, empower our students and then speak to their community. Another way that we could think of an example is I had uh, an Atlanta student uh, come to us not too long ago. She's from a rural part of Georgia, um, but she goes to our Atlanta Lyft uh, program. and. There, she was one of a, a few handful, if not one of the token Jews in her rural high school. And she was able to explicitly speak up uh, when she heard anti-Semitic rhetoric happening in her classroom and in the hallways. Uh, she contacted us as well about uh, you know resources that she could give to her teachers. And again, these sort of small steps in a way of, you know, one student can make a really big difference in, in a, you know, 700, 800 person size uh, school or even grade. And the more that we can empower those students to just speak up would be really, uh, you know, beneficial for everyone involved. Um, like I said earlier, I have a number of parents who've contacted me on how they can approach their administration. Again, while yes. we target and, and work with Lyft students, parents are also an incredibly important body within this work and how we can empower them because uh, their students, whether they're they're maybe not afraid, but but certainly intimidated to speak up in front of their peers, parents also have the abilities to make, uh, you know, certainly projecting noise when it comes to talking to administration. So we also work with parent bodies as well and how they can be a voice for both their their students and their communities too. I think it's wonderful that you are empowering, uh, you know, Jewish students and their parents to on how to speak up. Um, you know, I can really just good. add. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And just just two more quick examples. You know, of this course. year, um, 
I'm really excited that we're launching for the first time uh, through AJC's Project Interchange program, uh, heads of schools uh, to attend uh, our trip to Israel this summer. So we have nine heads of schools from around the country, private heads of schools that are going to Israel to learn about the nuances around the conflict, understanding you know, why the long-term investment of AJC is really critical to help them hopefully proactively and certainly sometimes, unfortunately, reactively if they need to call upon us. But the more we can get heads of schools and those within the educational community involved in understanding the major issues happening with our Jewish student bodies today can only be more impactful uh, and proactive for our kids. And then lastly, this past March, we had 130 of our Lyft students fly from, the, fly from around the country to D.C. to do a three-day advocacy program, uh, meeting with staff members on the Hill, hearing from you know, people like uh, Ambassador Lipstadt, the State Department, and talking about why, you know, not just why anti-Semitism is on the rise, but also how students can be proactive and build a leadership model to combat that both you know, nationally and within their local communities as well. And your program is is national or is it regional? Yes. Okay. No, it's national. Um, AJC, we have uh, 25 offices throughout the uh, United States, and 12 of those 25 offices uh, host Lyft along with a virtual uh, cohort. So if students aren't accessible to one of our 12 AJC offices throughout the country, uh, they can also apply through our virtual cohort to the Lyft program as well. Okay. If, Aaron, if you could wave a magic wand and programs into place. What other kinds of programs for helping Jewish teens who face anti-Semitism would you like to see? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, you know, sky, if the financial matters and the sky is the limit in terms of like what we could accomplish. I mean, yeah. between myself and, and regional and national staff, you know, we're really fortunate to have the support and the mechanisms needed to, with, to work with students, parents, synagogues, and whatever capacity is, is needed. Um, you know, I think coming from the educational uh, background and the classroom perspective, you know, I, I think, and the reason why we started this PI trip with heads of schools is that curriculum and pedagogy are really where we see the access point of, of helping students. I think particularly for educators and schools that aren't as aware, they're not, you know, in, in certain areas with a large Jewish population. I think being able to really have a significant threshold on how uh, curriculums are written, how presentations to parents and students with a generational lens and uh, historical turning points can help invest in this generation's future. To me, the more we can get parents and students and even grandparents uh, talking to each other and running programs that get them to hear one another, I think would be incredibly valuable. One area that I always found was interesting as I started my teaching career um, is that, for example, the Soviet Jewry movement, while it's very separate on this topic that we're discussing, I found over the years that majority of my high school students didn't know about that movement at all, even though it was one of the most pinnacle times within Jewish history, at least in the 20th century. Um, and students today have no understanding about it. When they would go home, their parents would say, or their parents' parents would say, of course, I was involved in this. I went to the Soviet Union. I helped Soviet Jews, right, X, Y, and Z. And so to me, the more programs that are set up for parents and students to speak to each other about Jewish history, Jewish Ooh, peoplehood, and being involved and engaging together and hearing also from parents about why the students look at Israel a particular way today, how they have a different way of looking at the political situation, whatever context it is, I think the more parents and family members and students that can engage with one another and programs that are set up to do that can only benefit the long-term growth of the Jewish community. 
So that's Jewish parents talking with Jewish, their Jewish well, children I... in, an, in a yeah. program and learn about each other's experiences and outlooks on Jewish issues of today. Is that correct? Absolutely. And, and certainly yeah. students maybe with one, one Jewish parent, one non-Jewish parent, but, but again, having that conversation, particularly if that student is involved in Jewish organizations, Jewish advocacy and talking to, you know, the, the whatever parent or not, or, or Jewish parents or non-Jewish parents are around, uh, I think the more conversations around that sort of awareness and advocacy can only help. And that also, in my opinion, like sort of advocates or, or pushes parents to be more involved, uh, particularly on the school front. And if they hear things that are happening, that gives them more incentive to speak up to the administrators and, and others, especially knowing that their students are so engaged and committed to this uh, this conversation. I can imagine that that's very powerful. Yes. Um, wait, can I just say one thing? Yeah. It's very interesting that you mentioned Soviet Jewry because I was on the editorial staff of the Jewish Exponent newspaper in Philadelphia in the 70s. And of course, we spent a lot of time in Soviet Jewry. And now I wonder if I ever told my two daughters who are adults about that effort. So I'm just smiling. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, and, you know, someone like Natan Sharansky is a big you know, hero of mine. And again, most students have never even heard of him. And to me, that, that's a shame. Yeah. Um, Aaron, do you have a family history that led you to teach Jewish history and, and then be involved in this program? No, I, I do actually, and thank you for asking. Um, so as you mentioned, I grew up in Danvers, Massachusetts, about 20 minutes north of Boston. And I really grew up in, in sort of two different worlds. I was a product of the Danvers public school system, um, where I was one of just only a handful of Jewish students, K through 12. Um, but then I also had my sort of Jewish side where I was involved intimately with my synagogue, uh, USY youth group, uh, my camp. And so I had two different worlds I was sort of balancing, particularly uh, going into high school. Um, and, you know, when it comes to Jewish history, my father was, was, was uh, someone who was a very staunch Zionist, as was my mom and, and her family as well. Um, I grew up in, in uh, my living room, had a picture of my great grandfather at the, the Kotel Western Wall, my, my grandfather, my father. Uh, and so I just knew one day that going to Israel was a really important aspect for him and, and learning about Jewish history. Um, and, and regarding this particular podcast, you know, just thinking about how I grew up. Fortunately, I have very few memories of you know, any anti-Semitism happening around me. Um, but what I do recall very distinctly are when it comes to sort of Jewish history, you know, certainly within, with Israel, um, I grew up in high school at the time during the Second Intifada. And that was a very uh, profound time to be learning about Jewish history and understanding the issues around the Middle East. Um, and in, at this point, you know, thinking reflectively, you know, I'm sure there were moments where there was conversation in my classrooms about Israel that I didn't at the time recognize as maybe being anti-Semitic, and they could have been. Um, but I do remember, you know, having conversations with my peers around what's happening there. And I was one of the few that actually was engaging with the news and understood the context and nuances around it. Um, and so while anti-Semitism might have not been the, a direct case on my mind, certainly understanding the Jewish history lens of Israel at that time was really significant and really brought me to being a history major at American University in DC and um, ultimately wanting to be an educator. Um, I, I didn't think about being an educator, particularly in the Jewish world. I was just wanting to be a history teacher, but the more I learned about Middle East history, the more I learned as a Jewish history minor about areas that were really important to me and, and uh, understanding that the connection I had personally, 
um, it just made more and more sense to kind of go in that direction. And I'm really fortunate that ever since I left grad school, that this world has been something that has, um, you know, I've, I've been really uh, impactfully engaged in. And I feel that my students uh, from JDS and beforehand, I hope have had a really significant impact on how they've seen the, the Jewish community and their Jewish livelihood as well. So what can you, from that, your experience, what can you share with our listeners on an everyday level, how they can answer anti-Semitic comments said to them, such as one that's so simple, but goes back to ancient, uh, to medieval tropes. When someone says they think it's a compliment, for example, you don't have to answer this one. I'm just giving an example. Sure. Jews are very good at money. And we know that that's a really dangerous statement because it leads to the whole medieval trope of blah, blah, Jews controlled money in the world and blah, blah. So you have any tips for the rest of us who aren't, who aren't, <laughs> who aren't, who aren't in this program or parents that call you? Yeah, no, I mean, look, advocacy is tough. You know, advocacy has not come easily to many students or many you know, people in general to that point, no matter what age they are. I mean, you know, as AJC's first director of high school affairs, it's certainly, like I mentioned earlier, a question I, I think about in terms of how can we most have the, the deepest impact on students and how they uh, advocate for themselves uh, and, and thinking about, you know, the big picture of what they would do in certain situations. But the approach my colleagues and I take, whether it's for students, families, schools, you know, we want to provide guidance, we want to provide resources and, and ultimately support though that this community however we can in whatever situation they arise in so you know i i know you're probably looking for a really explicit example i it, it's all it's all a matter of degrees a matter of what happens but we aren't going to be you know as ajc's point of view we don't want to be banging down the doors looking for the spotlight we want to empower students to find their voice offer schools help in, in shaping a program or curriculum that's in the best interest of their needs not not ours and you know if if I could work with every educator, administrator to help perform and provide a better context within their Holocaust studies. I mean, I know, I'm sure many of your reader, listeners are, are knowing that, you know, there's a lot in the news now about Holocaust education uh, today and, and passing in terms of how many states provide that amount of education, which is a really big deal. And AJC is, is helping uh, work on that. Um, you know, whatever we can do to both educate the schools, which will then help filter down to our students, which then hopefully, as I mentioned earlier, students can tell their parents and we build that big tent. I, I really believe that hopefully down the road, you know, that that these uh, this rise of anti-Semitism will will hopefully improve and, and dramatically decrease. Um, and, and I just, you know, that's, that's how I sort of see the big picture working long-term. You just said something very interesting. You said you're the first director of high school. So I take it that as anti-Semitism has increased, filtered down from college to high school, middle school, AJC saw a need, and that's why this program is just, right? Which that, is, that is correct, yes. So uh, fortunately, right. you know, Lyft has been around, like I said, for about eight years now, um, and it's only growing more, and the more it grew, obviously, there was a need to really solidify and try to you know, expand where we could. Um, and with my background in education and, and as history teacher in the classroom, it made sense to sort of take an educator's perspective and, and apply that to, um, you know, keep increasing the size of, of lift. So yes, thank you for mentioning that. 
And so, but so the flip side is that the problem's growing and that we really need you. I mean, that's what I thought was interesting. We're coming near to the end. Do you have last thoughts that you'd like to share with us? So first off, you know, not to be someone to plug stuff, but our applications for Lyft are open right now. People can go to the website, ajc.org backslash LFT uh, to look at our application to apply. This is for ninth to 12th graders. Um, otherwise, I would just like to end by saying, you know, the AJC community is there for everyone, uh, students, parents, the community at large. We want to help you however we can. We want to be proactively involved uh, in your communities. And I, you know, just to end that, I really appreciate this podcast and, and those that are helping you know, get the word out about uh, anti-Semitism and why it's on the rise and how we can certainly make an impact on decreasing it over time. Um, AJC, for those who don't know, put out a tremendous uh, poll not too long ago and in the late fall about this situation. And the more people are aware and educated about it, hopefully we'll see a vast improvement moving forward. Yes. So thank you for your effort. Thank you for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate, we appreciate our listeners listening and um, doing whatever they can to help. For those of you who have not yet seen Evelyn's documentary, Never Again Is Now, you can see it on Amazon and YouTube. You can learn more about my free nonfiction Holocaust theater project at thinedgeofthewedge.com. And as we end every program, we say, Please, without putting yourself in physical harm, speak up whenever you can against anti-Semitism and all hate.